And when you know where you're going, it helps each daily decision make more sense. Because if you're in business or running a church or leading an organization, you can get lost in each day. Like I come in today and there's a million things to do. How do I decide which things are important and which things I should do and which things should, there's a million problems. How do I know which problems to address and which thing is not that big a deal? And I think it all starts from knowing again, where you're going, what's the mission? What's the purpose? What are we trying to do? And then when you have that vision or that idea, then it helps each day make more sense and you make decisions towards that. What are we standing up for? The ability, the freedom to do what's right as God defines that right. God's the ultimate author of liberty. We don't want government to stand between us and our freedom to do what is right. We're here for another BNS podcast. It's good to have you here. I'm Doug Levesque, here today again with Jason Georges from Emanuel Baptist Church in Corona, Michigan, and Tony Nash of AZ Business Solutions. We are talking about items of culture and how the Bible addresses them. And a Christian culture is always the best culture. A Bible culture is the best culture. It's proven and it works. As always, check us out on BibleNation.org, and check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Guys, good to see you here today. It's good to be back. I thought we would talk today about leadership. I've been doing this for 15 years, hundreds of articles, books, broadcasts, etc., videos. I have never once addressed Joe Biden. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I thought, why, why was that? Because you could, there's all kinds of personalities that I've addressed, yeah. and I thought he's, he's such a nothing burger. I know he's <laughs> the president. You know, pray for the president, respect the office. Um, we could probably complain all day uh, about uh, Joe Biden, but that's that's not the nature of our show or what we're trying to do either. Right. Um, and we could probably find a good few good things, you know, as well. I mean, he's a good-looking dude, especially with his aviators. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? He's, he is a cool cat. You know what like I'm saying? Maverick. Yeah. And um, he's kind of got that boyish grin and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's got the pearly whites. I, I guess that's and, what it takes. And if, and if leadership has anything to do with surviving, he has survived politics for decades. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 50 I mean, years. People want to talk about success, and now he's, he's here 48 years, you know, yeah. later. But, I mean, it's totally uh unremarkable yeah really unremarkable i mean it's like hide in the corner and make friends and those people i guess can be effective maybe they're dangerous but i thought really because of that i thought let's talk about leadership so i thought maybe maybe we'd have a extended conversation and make this into two podcasts yeah. um because the bible talks a lot about leadership uh nations and cultures need leaders you know in every category I think in our country, it used to be, I mean, go back 100 years. I mean, you probably you have to go back more than 50. You know, at every table where there was discussions, whether it was the university boardroom, whether it was a, a court, you know, um, council, uh, whether it was a, a, a military agenda with officers, just any, any table where discussion was being made, there was somebody there that had a biblical worldview that was... Christian in their character, and everybody else had grown up in that, and so to to approach problems in society and culture with that framework made sense. Mm -hmm. Even if people weren't, you know, true believers, uh, that discussion made sense. And coming up with a game plan, a fix, uh, an answer to the problem, 
you know, ABC outline this and then break it down into policy or action, Mm -hmm. funding, whatever, you know, that all had Christian thought in it. And, and so really from our inception up until, you know, at least 40 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, all of a sudden we got entirely secularized and there's nobody at those tables anymore saying, well, wait a minute, maybe we should ask the, the reverend, hmm. you know, what, um, you know, what does this, what do the religious scholars say about this? And, and so we're not getting any input in public policy anymore, right. very well, little in culture. And so... Because I would say because we stopped leading. And and I would yeah absolutely we yeah. we've stepped we've stepped out we've kind of given up on that so let's um and and there's been a concern it's not just that the Bible isn't getting its fair say or the the Bible thought is not getting put out there it's that there's a concerted effort to distinguish or to extinguish the Bible and to remove it from culture and yeah. not just as a we don't want to hear that it's like we're trying to completely get rid of it altogether so that's that makes it even more dangerous and I think you know when you have scandals with pastors they run off with the secretary or they run off with the the, the money mm-hmm. or maybe they're just um the kind of uh organization that uh you know the man accepts some sort of public form of worship and they're just you know putting them up exalting you know, the man over exactly, god yeah. yeah uh and then that gets hard to respect mm-hmm. you know sort of thing or you're creating a false narrative and people think that's leadership when it's not necessarily leadership so um I have written a book called The Design and Destiny of Nations, and just like the um, the Bible is the book for a church, the Bible is a book for a marriage, the Bible is also a book for a nation. Mm-hmm. You know, God designed marriage, and he designed churches, but he also designed nations. Nations are his idea. Mm-hmm. Nations exist even into what we call the millennial reign, when, he, when it's a new world order and he's in charge. There's still nations. He administers through nations, and... Um, and his people administer in that regard as well. And so I think it would behoove us on this side of that, on this side of, you know, future and that, to practice good marriage and good churches and good nationhood, Mm -hmm. good servanthood. And there's a few things written like this, but I thought in modernity that was important. And so uh, chapter six of that book, I, I address leadership and say that, you know, national leadership, governmental leadership, cultural leadership, should also be something that we look to scripture on. So I'll just start. You guys break in. Uh, I'm going to read this article. I won't. I won't read the whole chapter, but you can go on BibleNation.org, check out Design and Destiny of Nations. Um, I know we have a few articles out there, but but in the book, chapter six on leadership, I start off with uh, a comment by Dwight D. Eisenhower, and uh, this is uh, you know post presidency remarks at the annual conference of the Society of Personnel Administration. This is one of those success seminars. How do, I, how do I lead my people sort of thing? <laughs> and it's interesting that here's a guy that was a five-star, you know, ran the whole Eastern European theater, defeated Nazism, had to deal with Stalin and Churchill and these big people and then all these sublings like Patton and Montgomery and all these personalities and yeah. all kinds of ideas, and yet he had to provide a level of leadership. So they gave him stars. So, I mean, he had the authority, and he had to exercise authoritarian uh, discipline and command at times, but and then as a president, right, you have authority. But it's interesting what he says here about leadership. He says, now I think, speaking roughly by leadership, we mean the art of getting someone else to do something that you want done because he wants to do it, not because your position of power can compel him to do it or your position of authority. 
A commander of a regiment is not necessarily a leader. He has all the appurtenances of power given by a set of army regulations by which he can compel unified action. He can say to a body such as this, rise and sit down. You do it exactly. But that is not leadership. Hmm, that's good. I mean, he's saying that leadership and authority are two different things. Right. Now, what we want is we want people in positions of authority who are good leaders, leaders yeah. right? Because you can have the opposite, or you For can sure. have someone, you know, thinking that their autocratic reign is leadership, and that's not really, really the case. Yeah, he, he introduces an idea, you know, we're talking about bad leadership, is that leadership is not positional. Mm-hmm. It's not about leadership. You can, you should lead from a position, yeah. and everyone leads from a yeah. position, but leadership based solely on position or title is bad leadership. Beautiful. And it doesn't work. So so the um the custodian you know might have more influence in the organization than the president of the organization. And you hear stories all the time about how you know the president bumped into the custodian late one night and the custodian basically solved the company's problems. Yeah. And the president said I should have been listening all along, you know yeah. this this guy. Um yeah, the Jesus, ship the ship's cook gets to pick the menu. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what everyone eats it affects every day. everything, doesn't right. it? Um, Jesus in Mark chapter ten, verse forty-two through forty-five. Uh, but Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. So there is this thing of lordship. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord, right? And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. Mm-hmm. Autocratic authority is is not the best leadership. And here he, he really defines leadership. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Mm-hmm. Servant leadership mm-hmm. as opposed to autocratic power. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Think about Jesus, the creator, the savior of the world. All power has been given unto me. And yet he's washing his disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. He's serving them in such a way uh, as to train them, as to help them win. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10, 42 and 45, that is paramount verses, chapter mm-hmm. and verse, for a biblical definition of leadership. So leadership and authority is different. Um, modernity would, would uh, define leadership like this. Leadership equals influence. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Influence. But there's good influence and bad influence, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Stalin and Mao, I mean, they had their pictures everywhere. Saddam Hussein, <clears throat> right? And so they had influence, but it was more autocratic. Right. You know, so we use those extremes. Um, influence is gained by how? How do you gain influence? Well, you define it, and we learned this from you yeah. as, and I tried to apply yeah. it in even my business, giving people a win. Yeah. Helping people win. And I think that's, you know... When you approach it uh, from the aspect of I'm here to serve, I'm here to help, I'm mm-hmm. here to help move things forward, and none of us are as good as all of us. So, right. you know, I'm not going to just tell them what to do. I'm going to show them what to do. I'm going to help them what to do. Uh, that's really the key, I believe. So, yeah. 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 And so, um, well, which defines <clears throat> servant leadership of what Jesus is talking about. It wasn't serving for the sake of serving, it was serving so as to take them somewhere. Yes. So, and, and and in that passage there, it what he's talking about to lead them to ransom. Mm-hmm. 
because yes. in serving them, they're going to have to believe and to lead them to ransom. They're going to have to receive me as king yeah. and as Lord yeah. and believe. You're all in a black hole. You're bouncing around off each other and off off the walls. And I'm going to be the light. I'm going to lead you uh, out and I'm going to help you win. And that's why that's why we love Jesus. Right. right. That, that's why we sing. Praise to God, because he helped us win when we couldn't win. Right. I always say you can't be a success unless a lot of people want you to be, because when you experienced victory and success and winning in just any different area, you know, maybe just getting friends or making a buck or buying a car, you know, yeah. just on a small end, um, you get to taste that. And the people want that. And the people- but a lot of people don't really know. Le- leaders over them are just autocratic. Do I get a position in the business? Do I move up the ladder? A title. Yeah. But right. but then you know talking on this podcast about bad leadership, mm-hmm. so then the antithesis of of that autocratic positional leader is the servant leader, but it's not going anywhere. Right. So hence you know in our circles the idea of the social gospel. Right. That is to serve but never give the gospel. Right. To never take actually, you where you're supposed to go. Actually get to the person of believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shall be saved. So right. when a guy like Joe Biden. I have here also that, you know, leadership is influence. Influence is gained by helping people win. Mm-hmm. You help people win by bringing about positive change in their life. Sometimes something they didn't know needed to be changed or some, sometimes an area of unchangeable characteristics that right. you know, they can have. And so you identify that. You help them win. They're grateful. You have influence in their life. You're their de facto leader. So I think even like amongst the, um, leftists, li- liberals, Joe Biden, it's not that he doesn't have heart. It's not that he's not hearing what people are saying. I mean, he might be hearing the wrong thing or believing the wrong thing or whatever. But I think, you know, Obama, any any leader, and Trump and Bush, for that matter, they're trying to bring about change. They're mm-hmm. trying to gain influence. But mm-hmm. it's still based upon where you're going. Right. Because you, you, you can be an influential leader and you're bringing about change, but you're bringing people to hell. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And you're, bring, and you're taking a nation down. Right. And that's so, why when people try to uh, boil leadership down to just having all the right qualities, that's not it. Because right. you can have all the right qualities and lead people in the wrong path, yes. and it's not good leadership. Well, and and, and so even taking this maxim mm-hmm. that we all adhere to of um, leadership is influence and influence is helping people win. Well, first of all, you got to define the win. Mm-hmm. You know right. what where what is the win, and then in that servant leadership, influence helping them win. How you go about doing that? So. In a sense, even Joe Biden and the liberals that he represents um, do that, mm-hmm. but they do they help people win by handicapping them, right? Like I'm gonna hand I'm gonna help you win by giving you a handout. And you know what or, that is? It's um, yeah, we call it servant leadership. But you know the Bible talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. We're coming across as the servant, but the reality is, is I'm serving you to gain influence so I can be influential. Right. It's a self interested attaining of this thing to gain autocratic power mm-hmm. i mean ultimately that's what they're trying to do and so um you know they they might fall into a form of leadership and influence well and if you're a leader and your goal is to gain followers or to gain notoriety or to even have authority it's wrong if your goal as a leader is not to achieve the mission and knowing what the mission is like he said understanding what is the win hopefully the mission is a good mission but if your goal is anything other than to achieve mm-hmm. the mission mm-hmm. then that's not really good leadership and you know whether it's Biden or Trump or most politicians today what do they do they understand i i think i think the reason they understand and they do this not because they're smart but because i think they're psychotic okay mm-hmm. is is that they understand i'm going to let people infer what they think a win is onto me 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to say just enough, but not too much. I'll have my five talking points, but they'll all be vague. And then the people that think that this is conservative can infer conservatism. The people think this radical can confer radicalism on me. And then I get there, and just like you know, Biden's having a tough time with the budget today because he's got the radical left, he's got the Democratic middle, he's got the Republican rhino types, and you know everybody's inferred a little bit of something on him, and so now they're all mad at him, and he doesn't yeah. deliver anything to anybody. Right. And so I think Biden's been good at kind of playing the game, but he doesn't deliver. He's right. not really taking you anywhere to great victory. He might be given. There's the rah rah sispumba. There's the little moment of feel good. And, you know, a lot of preachers do this. They give feel-good moments, and they're uplifted as a preacher, and they got influence and everything else, but they're really not taking people to victory. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? and and this is also the challenge or the problem mm-hmm. with conservatives as they court the Christian vote is they hide in ambiguity. They allow Christians to project upon them a certain level of standard societal morality, uh, uh, mm-hmm. societal standards and they neither affirm neither stand for them <laughs> nor reject them they allow you to project that upon them right by using quasi generic terminology um and and all all to gain the influence i i'm going to allow you to believe that i am a crusader for life or i'm right. a crusader for traditional marriage yeah when I'm not, right? But I'm going to allow you to believe that. Yeah, right. I think I wrote an article about back when when Trump was, you know, evangelicals going nuts over Trump. Does Trump's morality right matter? Right. And so he'd hold up the Bible that his grandma gave him upside, upside down, down. Uh, upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Two Corinthians, and you know, misquote it. And 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 everybody in this room knows when you have a Bible and you read it, it you wear it out. A, a yeah. Bible. If you read your Bible and use your Bible in five years, you need a new Bible. Yeah. So this is the Bible of his childhood, still there in pristine condition. <laughs> you know, so, uh, I've, I've, I've worn out this. I've worn out the touch screen on my. On yeah, my on, on device. your digital. You need, just, a, you need a new you can digital see it device. Just where the <laughs> trench I've scrolled every there, five right. years. Well, in the news today, you know, Biden's supposed to go meet with the Pope because Biden's a Catholic. But you know, what a horrible Catholic. Yeah. And of course, our Pope is a horrible. Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, representative. <laughs> and so they're going to meet. But you know what the Pope just did? The Pope said, I don't want this on film. Right. I don't want Joe Biden coming and going, come on, man. Right. You know, or, or and, so, and so the Vatican just said, we are not going to allow filming. They're telling the president of the United States. We're embarrassed, I, of, we're embarrassed of you. We don't want you, you well, know, in here. And so, you know, that's poor leadership because, you know, and I will say this a little bit, poor Trump or poor Biden, they knew how to psychosomatically, you know, psychotically, sociologically. They knew how to kind of get there. It's because of what they wanted. And then once they were there, they didn't really know how to execute, bring it all together or yeah. get in, in there, you know, either way. Now, obviously, I like things that Trump did more than I like things that, that, that Biden's doing. But if you listen to some of Biden's speeches in the past, he's, of, of the Democrats, he was, some, he was one of the conservative speakers. Right. You know, he would say more conservative things. And, uh, you know, Biden, when the, um, uh, the Defense of Marriage Act came out, he was in, in support of the Defense of Marriage Act and saying, you know, these people, speaking of LGBTQ right. community, and he was like against that. And then, of course, we have uh, Trump, who is a champion for life, and yet more happened on his clock and with his mm-hmm. Supreme Court uh, justices right. to promote uh, LGBTQ as a civil right, which is horrible for religious liberty. That happened under, under you know, Trump. And so... Um, Americans, people need to be trained and versed, apply their minds to leadership because 
you know, sometimes you're going to a church and that guy's taking you for a ride. Yeah. He's, he's really on his own train. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about yeah. this with my staff yesterday. Um, I think we, I can say that as being a pastor, you know, not that I don't think that guy doesn't say that the gospel or something like that, but, but after a while you can tell that guy's not really trying to help people win and take them. He's really trying to win himself and get himself yeah. to a position of more autocratic type authority well, with power, with money or whatever. And then right. how do people interpret that? They call it kingdom building. Right. right. That's what they, you know, he just wants to build his kingdom. And right. that's how they viscerally yeah. um, feel that. Yeah. Right. And, it's, and, and, and so a lot of preaching ends up being, you can win. You can get money. You can be healed. You can yeah. be. And it's, it's kind of appealing to the self-interest. Right. Politicians do it and preachers do it. And I think, you know, preach, politicians are just being politicians. It's not good leadership. I think, I think the, um, the burden of responsibility falls even more on the preachers of the U.S. of A. 100%. You know, and so we've been caught up with prosperity, prosperity gospel and, and success. You know, preachers of old, they met in a basement or a, under an arbor or, you know, they moved, you know, and now we have air-conditioned churches and three inches of foam on the chair and, <laughs> you know, we have all these different, you know, things. And so people want... Um, all those different things. And the preacher, we want all those different things. I mean, I, sure. I started off with a rough cut building, but I, I made it, painted it nice and made yeah. it look nice and made it, you know, I wanted that too. I understand that. But sometimes that gets to be the success, where where the success Well, when that is. becomes the focus, it goes back to knowing the mission, knowing the mission. So if, if the building or the aesthetics or the comfort or the rah-rah becomes the mission, that's bad leadership. Yeah. But if the mission is we're trying to bring people to Christ in, in yeah. the context of a church, yeah. Then all of those things are done to help bring people along and meet them or that make them comfortable. We're taking them somewhere, yeah, and we're helping them enjoy the ride, maybe. But we're yeah. taking them to a place that's not that's the focus. Why, that's why a program is not necessarily leadership. Right. So we're looking for a program to bring out of a box. It's where you're going. It's why you're going. So it's a vision. So politicians have kind of chose chosen to use tribalism, which mm-hmm. separates us, makes us angry at each other. But I think as churches, we've done that too. This church said, well, well, that's the church for the gray hair, and that's the church for the skateboarder, and that's the church for the biker, and that's the church for the cowboy, and that's the church, you know, and so we're supposed to be a melting pot nationally, and I think the church is supposed to be a melting pot, and yeah. I mean, our, our nation won't be that if our churches aren't that, right? you know, where we're not all giving a little bit, we're all melting a little bit and forbearing and putting up with each other to go to church and be together and, you know, enjoy each other. Yeah, and the pulpit has to be the bastion of that truth and what that should be. And and a lot of pastors are going to give an account someday for how they have misled people and how they've taken them down this self-interested path. And, you know, it's it's funny because people will hear a pastor say something and they just take it as truth and they believe it. And so pastors got to be very accountable to what they say. and, And that's why, you know, the foundation should be God's word and it's not in many cases. You look at the autocratic governments of the past or of the present, and there's pictures of people everywhere. Well, if you look in churches, sometimes there's pictures everywhere of the pastor. On it's, it's everywhere. It's right. like he's the personality. And so, right. you know, that's, that's got to be different. It's got to change. Let me continue. Most leaders attract at least some followers. In nations, some leaders can successfully take both followers and detractors down paths that benefit all. I mean, some leaders would be like, I'm going to try to represent you and help you too. You know? Right. In other countries, poor leaders subject everyone to paths of destruction. Whoever ends up in charge is usually a reflection of the minds of a, many, of, of a great many followers. Any nation, then, that has a fair democratic election usually gets a leader that resembles the populace. No nation more than our nation gets what it deserves. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah. if a leader is only acting, and most of them are, right, uh, then they will simply repeat back to the people what they want to hear. This Trump, is really- Trump's book, Art of the Deal, and I have it on my bookshelf, yeah. but the first page of the first chapter says, tell them what they want to hear. Tell them what they want to hear. I mean, that's that's the art of the deal. Tell them what they want to hear. So, and the Bible you, says, hey, people have itching ears, man. There's there's false prophets. That, right. That, Dangerous. Yeah, I can give it to them. So I, I put, this is really not leadership at all. Though a followership is established, and think about Facebook, YouTube, followership, right? That's part of the culture today. Um, it is a sociopathic exercise in the gamesmanship of the masses for personal esteem. Most nations have poor leadership. The factor of leadership, then, is important to the identity, direction, and future of any nation, and I would say enterprise. I would say a family, right? Dad's got to be a leader in a family. Leadership must be defined, taught, emulated, and properly developed so that generation upon generation can produce overlapping decades of good leaders. Mm. What's different about America? Well, honestly, overlapping decades of Good leaders. Mm-hmm. You can always get a bad one, but you always have this correction or whatever. And so I kind of get to what I call the basics, and I say the absence of leadership will always bring despotism. And so where there's a vacuum in a church, you're going to get a, a despot deacon or, or a desperate a, a despot uh, sister soprano in the choir. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, you're gonna you're gonna if there's not good leadership there. Right. Um, if leadership is selfless, then it will take the hits, too. You know, it can. Like Pastor Jay always talks about change, building up your change. You have enough change to take the hits, mm-hmm. and um, and sometimes you got to do that. An alternative to national leadership is global leadership, and that's what's happening today. We're not having national leadership, and so especially younger generations are being given this idea of global leadership. History tells of many failed attempts of megalomaniac leaders who aspired to lead the world. Nimrod led the ancient world against God's divine order. This quote-unquote new world order was reflected in poor leadership from Nebuchadnezzar to Alexander the Great to Julius Caesar to Napoleon. Today, such utopian global orders continue with equal poor leadership. The United Nations and other global governance organizations such as the World Bank, the International Court, I would say, I would add to this article today now, the World Health Organization, along with the oligarchical G8 and G20, uh, alignment of nations foster a leadership model more akin to Hitler and Mao than Jefferson and Cromwell, right? Which mm-hmm. believed in the uh, agrarian, indiv- rugged individualism. Uh, Joseph Stalin said this. Here's a quote: "Ideas are more powerful than guns. We would not let our enemies have guns. Why should we let them have ideas?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that you know, Joe Biden is a different Joe, is a different Uncle Joe. But, you know, he just mocked leadership. Oh, yeah, you guys want leadership by saying you want to kill everybody with your disease right? because you don't want a mandate? Right. That's, an, that's saying you can't have that idea. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's pushing, pushing down on people's ideas. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a new Uncle Joe in that, um, in that regard. He's mocking uh, freedom. The global versus national models have capacities to produce vastly different leaders. And while a nation may produce an anti-Christian leader— a world order may produce a penultimate antichrist. Wow. Such false messiahs have always been around, but are being clamored for and elected in droves today. Listen to this quote by David Rockefeller, former chief executive of Chase Manhattan Corporation and founder of the Trilateral Commission, an organization bringing together the elites of North America, Europe, and Asia from his memoirs. Now, the Trilateral Commission, uh, George 
Bush, W. Bush, or George uh, Herbert Walker Bush, excuse me, first first Bush, mm-hmm. okay? Um, Reagan, the Republicans wanted to bring him in to be the vice presidential candidate because they were running against each other, and he said, well, Reagan won, let's get Bush in there. Reagan said, I don't want Bush, he's a trilateralist. Yeah. So the trilateralist was something that Reagan, who was a great leader, yeah. said, I don't want that. And so he made Bush get out of that, and yet it was Bush who was talking about New World Order, Thousand Points of Light, et cetera, right. et cetera. So when he got to be president, he was using a different form of, of um, leadership there. But listen to what David Rockefeller says. For more than a century, ideological extremists at either end of the political spectrum have seized upon well-publicized incidents to attack the Rockefeller family for the inordinate influence, influence they claim we wield over American political and economic institutions. Some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best entrance of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty wow. and am proud of it. So that's why we say internationalist banking, Chase Manhattan Bank, um, you know, Lehman Brothers, um, Goldman Sachs. And, uh, and people like David Rockefeller uh, and others, that this is not something that the United States, we should be a nation. And what other nations want to do is up to them as long as it doesn't step on us or, or anybody else too much, you know. A thoughtful influencer then would idealize or become himself the proper leader. This would resemble today the following ideas. Number one, sovereign authority starts with the individual but ends with the state. Doesn't go to globalism. Right. No international leader should be expected or allowed. We shouldn't, we shouldn't vote for somebody that's a part of these institutions, that's preaching the, the dogma of these institutions, etc. One day Christ himself will come and usher in such a throne, but humans have no part in that power. You know, we as the bride do not usher in Christ to the kingdom. He ushers in his own kingdom. And so our theology and practice isn't really part of that, even as we're involved in good leadership and governance. We're not bringing in the kingdom. We're just practicing good leadership and good governance. Mm-hmm. Secondly, sovereign authority recognize uh, other sovereign authorities. This means that a, na- a national leader of a state recognizes the right of the individual, the family, the church, and other nations as separate and distinct but equal from its own authority. Power is only exercised in its own realm. So my family is my family. It's not your family. My church is my church. It's not your church. Mm-hmm. Um, the gov- the, 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 a president should say, that's a father's decision. That's on fathers, and fathers should be responsible. Now, if fathers are responsible, maybe they don't get funding, or maybe they get punished, right? But that's the church's realm. But if that church uses their power and defrauds someone of their right, then that, they're going to get in trouble for that. And so that's what they're for. Right. They're supposed to be servants of God. Number three, the leadership of nations then are gladly and willingly limited by law, time frames, public accountability, and ultimately recognize that they are serving God. And I would say that should go with the leaders of families as well. Moms and dads, there's a point where your kids are going off. You're still their parents, but they're adults, and they have to make their own decisions. And when you try to crawl on that, sit on that, you know, you're limited by law, time frames, accountability, and ultimately recognize you're serving God by sending this you know, person out. So if that's practiced at home and that's practiced in your business and your church, then we can develop decades then of good people willing to be elected who understand that. I'm just serving for this four-year period. I'm not God. I'm, I'm presiding not over family, not over church. I'm presiding over the nation. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a distinction. I'm not presiding over the world. This factor has many practical su- uh, subsets of great interest to society, but adding in the other national factors will make each leadership subject different in the several respective nations. Different nations have different issues that leaders have to address. Therefore, a leadership manual in New Zealand will not exactly be the same as in Canada, though the main principles of leadership stand throughout all the nations. And I think I'll just fast forward and not read the rest of this, except just go because there's one more great Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, quote at the end of this. Uh, In the end, a global leader will either be coerced by a bundle of lies or by a bayonet of threatening. Mm. Only national leaders can rightly govern within proper design and destiny of nations. America has been blessed with political, religious, and cultural leaders who exemplified the right factors of leadership, but are, with alarming lack of insight, um, electing leaders uh, who are leaning towards the abolition of national sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Our lack of real leadership will be our undoing. Eisenhower right. says, uh, addressed at Norwich University in Vermont, the freedom of the individual and his willingness to follow real leadership are at the core of American strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, individual liberty is great, but if everybody's individual liberty is self-interested and they're right. following a liar who's giving them utopian lies because you think that's going to benefit you as opposed to the principles laid out in the Constitution, say, then your your willingness to follow a bad leader is part of the problem. Right. And so, um, but willingness to follow real leadership is at the core of American strength. Isn't that interesting that his perspective... Yeah, but at the core of what yeah. he's saying is individual liberty. In yeah, other words, not coerced to follow leadership, right. willing right. to follow willing leadership. Willing to follow Meaning good leadership. You have a choice not to follow that leadership. Right. You know, Biden has... Um, um, really done a number of things to undermine national sovereignty. Um, and it's not him alone, but he's been in power for 48 years. And mm-hmm. if you were to look at all the different segmented pieces of removing national sovereignty, individual liberty, going to a global model or leaning towards some global leader can sweep in and do that, his signature would have been on the wrong side right. of the document every single time. Well, and, and so. even in recent, you know, we just had Afghanistan, yeah. And what obviously drove that decision was not uh, America's um, strategic advantage in the global world. That that right. wasn't the factor because we 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 gave up some of that. Right. Right. And so it wasn't America's. You know, th- there isn't a belief that a strong America is is good for the world. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's in a way we we don't want we don't want policemen. We don't want responsibility. Let everybody do what everybody wants. That's anarchy, right? That's not really liberty or personal freedom. Well, and it appears that Biden has bought into this idea that democracy doesn't work anymore. A, demo- a democracy does no longer. He's he's on record saying it multiple times over the last few weeks that yeah. democracies. He's being told by all these other foreign yeah. leaders, Putin and Xi Jinping. I think yeah. I think I said that right. Uh, that democracies no, no longer work. So he's bought into that philosophy. Yeah. So you can see that coming to. Yeah. You know, fruition in a lot of the things he's trying to do. So, I mean, we can vote, but we've, we've got to speak what leadership is and what good leadership is, and it's coming from Scripture. And so someone who's really into the Bible, really into self-control, self-governance in their life and their family and their business and uh, in their church, etc., is going to be better versed to be a good voter and to vote something that might even be harder for them, you know? Um I love this article from The Hill. Biden's weak leadership is now America's top national security threat. And so we're just not talking leadership willy-nilly. We've been talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, We've addressed it with guys like Obama and Trump and things like that. Uh, Even religious leaders like Billy Graham 
Um, and so I think it's fair that we say Biden's weak leadership, even his own party would say weak leadership. And they're trying to prop him up, obviously. The, the media tries to prop him up, et cetera. Um, the Hill, Biden's leadership is threatened, his, um, is threatened by his loyalty to the hard left. I don't think he necessarily is hard left, but he has a loyalty to the hard left. He doesn't really attain autocratic power without the hard left, so he's got to find a way. And, of course, they're the ones that set fires in the streets and, you know, uh, want that kind of stuff. Um, but that's why, again, going back to self-interest or the mission, like if your goal now is to achieve power, which he's done, to achieve authority, which yeah. he's done, and then to maintain that authority— mm-hmm and you're not principled and you're not leading, you're just doing whatever you have to do to maintain that seat or that power or that authority, then that's bad leadership. That's not leadership at all. And that's where he's at. And so he's catering to all of these extreme left things that maybe is not fully what he is, but he knows without them, I don't get this vote. And and Republicans do the exact same thing. They manipulate the conservative vote like Democrats manipulate the minority vote. They yeah. go in every four years and they say what they want to do and they'll show yep. up at churches and they'll yep. pray, but they're not principled in those Trump, things. Trump was a Democrat 18 months before he was you know, going to run for election. He decided <laughs> right. I'm going to switch and become a Republican. He immediately went out and he wanted um, the evangelical endorsement. He wanted the NRA and he wanted WWF and NASCAR fans. Because you don't win without them. Right. And so like this Tell is them the biggest what they group hear. of people. And like his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, said, the only reason... You know, my father-in-law is a Republican, and that he's doing this is because he you knows they're the they're the single biggest voting block, and he's already got them. So he's going to, you know, speak you know great about that. Best article. I won't read the whole thing, but maybe we'll go into it the next hour. Um, and it was a an opinion um, by Gerard Baker in Wall Street Journal, and he says, "Does Joe Biden have any core principles? Like he's just an an amoral type of guy." They right. used to say that about. Um, Obama, like, does Obama have any foreign policy principles? Right. And basically, there was only one foreign policy principle that you could pin Obama down on, and that is he wanted to remove the Sykes-Picot um, agreement when basically the British mandate drew the lines up in the Middle East. He wanted to erase all those lines, mm-hmm. and of course, we found out that he was actually leaning towards Shiite Muslim um, leadership, and so the idea that that Iran was going to have a free highway through Iraq, Syria, um, into Lebanon and connect with Turkey and then undo Israel, that really was his his uh, foreign policy. Even the left is saying, does Joe Biden have any principles? You know, you, we elected you, we inferred on you these leftist ideas that maybe he doesn't have, and they're mad at him. So now Joe's got people from the left and the right. Nobody's happy with him because he doesn't really have that. No principles. So right. he's got power to an extent. He's got an influence that's self, you know, I'm, I want to maintain influence but but by title really is all the influence he has <laughs> but but little direction and so then other forces are going to suck it down the drain because he's not being a force himself yeah. and i think it's important that any leader surrounds himself with good people and good advisors to get their opinions but that's not what biden's doing biden, yeah. biden because of the lack of principles and core principles is he's not just being advised he's catering to all these other groups to keep his position. Right. There is no mission. Just keep this spot. Pastor Jay, uh, I think, you know, there's pastors out there that want to be good leaders, and they try to educate themselves. Maybe we've helped them today. What would you say to a pastor who really wants to be right on leadership? What's one of the singular most best things he can do? About being what? So now we're talking about good leadership. Mm -hmm. 
leadership is is before it, it's ever what you do, it's who you are. And so you have to be right. And so leadership is, it, yeah, I mean, that's the best way I could say it. Yeah. Leadership is who you are before what you do. So you know what right is. You're well, not God, confused God about tells right. Us what, God tells us what's right you is. You know what right is? You have a clear sense of right, and um, you're willing to plant your feet there. It begins but, with who you are before what you do. Tony, people in business. Mm-hmm. They want their business to thrive. Somewhere along the line, they realize, I don't just need a success seminar. I need to be able to leave and lead and you know, help my clients, help my staff. So what's something you can give to business community? Well, I think that for me, if, if you're going to do business, um, the first thing you have to do, whenever I've had anyone come and talk to me about wanting to start a business, mm-hmm. the first thing I tell them is they need to define what success is to them. Because success is different for everybody. If your idea of success is making a bunch of money, having more time, having liberty of your schedule, whatever it is, mm-hmm. define what success, maybe just I want to be away from town more. You have to define success. And then that's where it begins. So defining where success is. And then you have to determine how do I get there and the people I'm going to bring along with me. How do I keep them on this path? And how do I bring them along this path? And how do I help them win to get me there, really, and to get the company or the organization there? And so to me, I think the number one killer of a leader is self-interest. Mm-hmm. But I think probably the most important quality a leader can possess in business and probably in anything is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Understanding here are my strengths, here's what I'm good at, and knowing that and being confident, but also being equally confident and comfortable in the things you're not good at. And you don't have to be the master of all things, but you're good at a few things and you double down on those good things and you surround yourself with people that can help you with those areas you're not as strong in, and then always moving towards that definition of whatever success looks like to you. And so in business, obviously the context is much different than say in a church, but everybody wants to be an entrepreneur today and they're looking at somebody else's definition of successful entrepreneurship. And I say, start by defining your own path of what does success look like to you? I I think too, say like on the family side, you know, I want to be successful with my sons. Mm -hmm. And so you determine what right is, uh, you're determining how to, how to get there. And, and then you got to say, okay, well, I'm going to not try to be the good guy all the time because that's going to take me over to the wrong side. I got to determine I'm good guy, bad guy. That's what I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with your kids, you have to come across as the bad guy. But that's helping them win. Eventually, they're going to get there, especially when they win with it. And that's right. the same, you know, with business. You got to tell your employees, no, you got to be the bad guy sometimes. Yep. Um, and even in a church, you got to put a kibosh on something and people think you're, you know, tyrannical or whatever. And so it is a matter of defining yourself, defining what's right and being willing to to stand there in the in the hairy moments. Well, and when you know where you're going, it helps each daily decision mm-hmm. make more sense. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in business or running a church or leading an organization, you can get lost in each day. Like I come in today and there's a million things to do. How do I decide which things are important and which things I should do and which things should, there's a million problems. How do I know which problems to address and which thing is not that big a deal? And I think it all starts from knowing, again, where you're going. What's the mission? What's the purpose? What are we trying to do? And then when you have that vision or that idea, mm-hmm. then it helps each day make more sense Focused. and you make decisions towards that. Well, let's uh, let's end the discussion here and come back. We've talked really, we've defined leadership and we've looked kind of on our president today and Joe Biden and that, you know, he's been in power for 48 years, but it's it's hard to, to pin him. There's, there's not a lot... Influence. Right. How did he get there? It's more of an autocratic rule right. than it is leadership, and it, and it really is bad leadership as we look at it and where it could go. 
But let's come back and, and, and um, talk some good leadership next okay. time around. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us today. The best culture is a Bible culture. It's proven, and it works. Check us out at BibleNation.org.